All right, David Raman is here today. How you doing, David? I'm good, thanks, Maddie. Yeah, good. Great, great, to, great to see you, and thank you for having me on your show. Well, thanks so much for reaching out, man. So you are in, um, what is the place called in the UK again? Yeah, Swansea. 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 Swansea UK, so you reached out all the way from the UK. Yeah. Um, you found the page on Instagram. I just want to say thanks so much uh, for reaching out, man. Um, so you are a um, you are a mind coach, a public speaker, and an author. And you have a book coming out soon. You sent me the first couple of chapters. It's called Let It Go. Um, I'll let you uh, kind of introduce your book and yourself. Yeah. Maybe we'll get into this, your story. Thanks about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm in. Uh, I'm I'm a mind coach, which is uh, like a life coach, but I I I work with people on their mindset and how they think and feel. And been doing it for a long time, uh, almost twenty years. And the book is a, like a distillation of the best techniques uh, and tools and tips to help people change the way they look at themselves and the way they look at the world, so that they can at the end of the day, just feel happier, worthier, uh, and uh, and move forward instead of being stuck. Uh, right. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a labor of love, but I, I want to make a difference. It's just my contribution at this time. Right, yes. Um, and we were just talking about before the show, you sent me the first couple of chapters. I read it, and I uh, really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. And, um, yeah, from what I read, I think um, – it could really help people for sure. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, we're all in a journey at this moment. It's a, it's a challenging time in, in human history. And uh, I think uh, how we respond from now on is, is, is really important. Yeah, for sure. Um, you were just telling me before the show, um, the UK is going into lockdown now as of last night. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we're, we've been in and out of lockdown since March, um, in it more than out. And it's just, I think in, in 2020, you get to see how people deal with adversity, uncertainty, you know, and how we all deal with having to see your spouse 24 hours a day, you know, in lockdown. And yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you just you find it out people's um, ability to withstand times like this. It's everyone's different. Yes, I've been doing workshops all through this in 2020, and it's um, it's been one of those times where you just got to make try and help help as many people as you can, especially in my job. And get through this by trying to help them help themselves. Yes. Um, so, have you been doing workshops like via Zoom or? Um... Yeah, uh, in 2020, I, I've done over 100 workshops. Well, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Most of them for the public, uh, and most of them free. Just I just went and did it because. Uh, oh yeah, that's awesome, man. Don't waste any time. Just get on with it. So I yeah. literally, you know. And then people from all over the world were dialing in, you know, and it was nice. It's nice. And it's uh, just to see people saying to me, it's made a difference to them and their family because you'd have, of course, you'd have one Zoom account, but you might have a whole family watching. Yeah. 
I don't know how many people were watching at the time. So, so what exactly are you covering during these um, uh, workshops? Oh yeah, good question. It would have been you know, like the morning mindset, um, how to regain your confidence, how to turn negative thoughts into positive thoughts, how to uh, reduce anxiety, show them techniques, uh, how to improve your self-esteem. There were lots of things totally unrelated to obviously the pandemic and COVID-19, um, how, to, uh, how, to, how to sleep better. So I went through a whole gamut of different workshops, challenging myself really to deliver yeah. this content. Uh, and to keep it fresh. So I think I did yeah. in the end 35 to 40 different types of workshops. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Just to push, push myself and to help people on a variety of topics. People were asking in the end, can you talk about this? Can you do this? And yeah, in the meantime, we're working on the book. Just, just take it each day at a time, really. Yeah. You staying busy, man. I think that's important. I think, uh, you know, from everyone I've talked to, it kind of goes either way. You know, you're very busy. It was a kind of a time of like reimagining yourself or it was kind of like a, a dark time. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, you go through 20 years, like 2020 and you, you just have to, you really have to dial in every single morning to you wake up and you, and you're probably thinking, this isn't a dream. <laughs> yeah. And you just have to reset your mindset every single day. Uh, and I was just, you know, just teaching people, just do these little things every day. Just keep going, keep going. Even if you are working for a company, but you're working from home. Yeah. Put some clothes on. Dress up <laughs> as if you're going to work. Dress up, you know, not necessarily in the suit, but don't sit there in your pajamas because eventually it's going to take you out of routine and you're going to start, you're going to do it for yourself as much as anybody else to turn up every day to keep that routine. So one of the yeah. things uh, I coach people on was routine. Right. Yeah. I think that's super, super important. It's the first thing that's lost, right? Everyone like, you know, you don't go to work anymore. You're not going to like the whole routine is just out of whack. Um, yeah. But I want to get into like your story and um, I know you talk about a little bit in the first of the book, just um, you know, how you got into all this. Mm. Yeah. I mean, uh, I found myself my teenage years. Um, before that actually not feeling loved. Um, not doubt, doubting myself. I'd been at any school exam and I was just doubting myself all the time. Uh, even though I would do well in school, I was doubting myself. Never felt good enough, never felt loved. Um, so at that time I was, I was bullied, you know, like a lot of people. And it's only until only till recently till people have been asking me, I've been looking back and thinking, yeah, I was really bullied. Uh, but then you just, you just get on with it because you think that's your life. You don't know you don't know any different because you're so young um and then by the time i got to university i just realized i've got issues you start looking at yourself and thinking why are those people so confident why can they talk to other guys you know i'm in a hall of residence and i'm thinking 
I don't seem so confident. You know, and I, I had to fake it, Matty. I don't really pretend because as a guy, you don't want to look stupid and weak. Um, yes. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, and I just, I knew I had to change, but didn't know how. This is back in the eighties. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, a long time ago. I was nine, 18, 19 years old and, um, in 1988 and yeah, I just couldn't tell anyone, couldn't tell my girlfriend at the time, couldn't tell my friends because you know, I'm sure they were going through their stuff, their shit and you just have to deal with it and I'm sure lots of teenagers are, are at this time and yeah, dark thoughts, it was my first dark thoughts in my late teens, what am I doing here, what's the point of me and all that and then it continued into my 20s and I did a couple of degrees. My first degree was biochemistry, which is why I, I, I know a bit about the science of the body. So it's in, in the book. Yes. Small amounts. And then um, my second degree was optometry. Where I became an optometrist. So uh, I think what you guys call an eye doctor. So I, I know a fair bit about the brain. And then I've used that in my material when I teach people how to think and feel differently. There's actually things going on in your brain. So very interested in neuroscience. Nat- it came naturally to me. So um, my, my degrees came in handy in the end. And yeah. when I started to think um, in the late 90s, I, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. You know? uh, and I realized I was always interested in, in psychology, mindset. From a, from a very early age, actually, I was interested in uh, how people thought and about why they thought and feel why do I feel like this and I became obsessed with thinking and feeling about why am I thinking like this but at the same time I didn't feel good enough so you just you just go around in circles for a long long time uh, and then I started to in the late 90s read self-help books I found myself in a bookshop reading self-help books so obviously I was looking for something yes and there I started my journey towards Something, you know, I looked up psychiatry, counseling, CBT, all these stuff, things, but nothing really grabbed me. Uh, and to be honest, Matty, I was online in the early days of the internet with a dial-up. Right, yeah. And uh, I found life coaching. Coaching is something about helping regular people with issues move forward and then started my journey. Um, I started reading about it, training, uh, and I left my career in, in optometry, which was very safe. Yeah. Do this. I was going to ask, was that like a big leap for you? Was that something like, so this was over a span of a couple of years. Did you kind of, uh, did those thoughts come back? Like, why would I do this? Or I can't do this? Or Yeah. In the days, Matty, when people said, life what? Life coach? The F is that? Yeah. You want to do, why do you want to leave a safe job? And um, it happens, isn't it? When you're doing something people can't understand or people they don't get. Um, this is before people were, you know, meditation these days and yoga is the norm. But in those days, it was like, what? What do I meditate for? And things like yeah. That. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, so it was not. It was a huge leap, not a small leap. It was huge, huge. Just right. Go against what everyone is telling you. Um, and you've got to follow your gut feeling. You've really got to 
go against what logical thinking says. Um, yeah, very difficult, very difficult journey to be honest, Matthew. So how did you, so you found online life coaching and um, where does it start from there? Do you take courses and? Yeah, yeah, yes. I started training in the UK in the Academy of Coaching. Um, came across Tony Robbins, uh, so I trained with his company. Trained with, um, I trained in various disciplines like uh, NLP. Um, trained with um, different organizations which dealt with different problems such as um, chronic fatigue syndrome, so I was interested in that. Uh, so trained as a, trained with, as an executive coach. Um, so I did a lot of trainings, read a lot of books, went to a lot of conferences, a lot of courses, programs, uh, and then developed my own tools as well, to be honest, Matty. I've got a few tools in the book. Right. Developed yeah. sessions where I'm thinking, where's this going? And then I something would pop out of my head, try this, and most of those tools from the sessions are in the book. Um, some mm -hmm. of the tools uh, I forgot to put in there, but there's enough in, the, in this book to really, every single chapter is packed with, with tools, uh, loaded, uh, and exercises. Uh, so, yeah, and I started speaking, and I was absolutely shitting myself. Uh, <laughs> not the thing I wanted to do. The last thing in the world a guy like me would want to do just to put himself out there on stage. And, and I did it and it was, you know, I to cut a long story short, I had a panic attack the night before because I, I just didn't want to do it. But I, I already committed myself to this event at this hotel. People were going to be there and I was just. <laughs> You're locked in now. I'm going back. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a mess. And then the, the, when I did the, did the talk it wasn't very good it was just i was just freaking out inside yeah. coming out, so. but i made the decision i committed to myself that i'm i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this okay i'm not very good at the moment but i'm gonna just do it over and over again and i i sort of set up workshops and maybe 10 people turned up or one person turned up i still did it Mm -hmm. and a lot of my work was free um, at the beginning. I was just doing it for nothing. I was just, just trying to get people. Yeah, trying to prove myself, prove myself to myself. I can do it. Uh, and I believe if you can, if you're willing to do something for free uh, against all the odds, it really is your calling. It really is what you, you're here for. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, so you took these courses and then you started coaching people. Um, so how did that go? And like, how did, you know, what demographics did you coach and like, how did, because do you still coach to this day? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Okay. Coach, uh, on zoom or on, on telephone these days. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, of course I do the, I still do the workshops. So. That's, that's right. Led. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the demographics, I've worked with universities, so I've worked with students. Uh, the youngest I've probably ever worked with is 14 years old when um, a couple brought their daughter in because she was having problems with anxiety because she had to give a dissertation in school. So um, I helped her and she went on to 
she did well. So yeah, students and then single mums, mums, dads, single dads, um, professionals, business owners, unemployed, you know, through the whole spectrum of people, all the way up to seniors, you know, the my oldest clients are in the seventies or eighties, I can't remember, you know. Well whole spectrum. Yeah, because I, I believe that we can all change. And there's there's actually a chapter in the book on that, uh, that we can all change at any age. And science has proven it, that the science of neuroplasticity, which is a, which is a, a recent brain science, but so much science has shown that the brain can change. It's not what we thought it was. And the, the, the science scientists know more about the brain now in the last 10 years than in the last 100 years. Right. We're at, the, we're at the cutting edge now, so. It's amazing. Yeah, because my background in science, I, I, I love it. I'm delving deep into it, learning from as many people as possible so that I can get an idea um, on how to teach it uh, in my Right. Because I think people should know this, that they can change. And yes. Can't teach an old dog new tricks is bull. Absolute BS. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, and I think it's um I think it's amazing to see that change um in people when they really do make a change, you know? Like <laughs> when they make that night and day change, you just see it, you know, you, I mean I'm sure everyone's seen it in people. But it's an amazing thing. Um so like where where do you start with with um, your your clients or the people you coach? Like where's the starting point? Yeah, good question. Um, the starting point is then to have uh, what's called an exploratory session, where we just normally, if I'm doing a face to face session, we sit down uh, uh, or these days online, and they present with a problem. Matty, and that problem might be something like, I'll give you an example. Uh, a lady came to me, this is years ago, and her problem was she wasn't sure whether she's going to have children. Not sure. She'd recently got married. Not sure if she's going to have children. And the other thing was she was always seemed to be holding back from applying for promotions. So she'd worked in a bank. And she came to me and said to me, oh, you know, David, I've just come to you for advice. Said, well, I can do advice. I can help you, coach you to find out what's going on. I said, okay, fine. She told me those problems. Uh, and I then, a coach asks you questions, you know, deep questions, very incisive questions. Uh, and quite a few of those are, are in that book. And, we found out over the sessions, you know, from that exploratory session, that the mindset had developed a pattern of um, avoidance, self-doubt, feeling unloved, not loving oneself. These are things that she never actually acknowledged or partly knew, you know? Yeah. That it had all stemmed back from her dad. From the time she was a child, she'd sought the love of her dad uh, and never received the love. Or she 
believed she never received the love of God because we look through the world through our own perception. Of yeah. We look at the world, you know? Yeah. You know, parents love us. We may not think they love us. Uh, and she certainly <laughs> didn't feel it from a father. She wanted it verbal. But he was perhaps more demonstrative. And, uh, and because of that, it fed through all the way to present day. Uh, and in the book, there's a chapter called um, The Stick of Rock Effect. And that shows, like, uh, you know, you go to Blackpool or Brighton, you have rocks you call candy. And if you, wherever you cut it, it'll say Brighton Rock, Brighton or Blackpool, you know? And so oh, yeah, yeah. We have the, in our Stick of Rock, we might have validation or people-pleasing, you know, or avoidance. We, we've got something going on on the surface. And so it's identifying what do you keep doing all the time, which is causing you to self-sabotage in the area of your life, you know? Right. When you identify that, you then go about dismantling what you're believing to be true, which may not be helpful to you, which it could be something as simple in her cases. She felt not good enough. She felt um, not lovable. So these were ingrained beliefs in, in herself, Matty. And, and, wow. and she started to let go of these things, you know, but she could then reframe it and look at areas in life where she was loved and she was good enough and she did, you know, straight A student. I am good enough, you know, but things, things she hadn't acknowledged. And she then went and got the promotion after that. Then she went and had children, you know. Wow. And it's that initial step you think it's the presenting problem, or the, you know, but it's actually something much deeper. And that's mm. As a coach, I try and help you do is go in deep if you're willing to, and just it's not solving the past or trying to work it out. It's trying to work out your perception of it and help you mm -hmm. realize that some of the BS you're telling yourself about yourself and the world. Is not true, and then you, then you. Uh, so that's the first step: awareness. The second step is acknowledgement. So you acknowledge it. The third step is right. Okay, let's take action. Mm -hmm. Let's go to work on on you. And um, it's like going to the gym. When you go to the gym, you work out certain muscles. You work out your body, and your body changes. And then, within a few months, you have the start of it. You're changing your body. You change your diet. But the minute you you stop doing that old patterns come in and your body changes back to what it was before. So yeah. Mind is the same. Once you start working with it, um, it's receptive as long as you are open to change. Right. No, that's awesome. And um, yeah, I really like that. The, uh, like how you said, you, we're not going to go back and change it. Um, and you mentioned in the book, like it's, like the conventional therapy is you go back and you discuss it. And there is a place for that. And it's super important. Like myself, like it was important for me, but I, I really like like the, uh, the action and like, okay, now what do we do now? And um, so where would you start with someone like that? Um, like, would you start with like small actions? Would you start with like, where would you start? Yeah. Good question. It's always small actions. Um, yeah, 
the brain has a part, the part of the brain called the amygdala, which is our, it's our fight or flight response center. So it's, it's, it's there from caveman times and it's there to protect us. So if we think of something like, um, you know, you want to run a, you want to run a marathon uh, and immediately the brain starts freaking out. You, know, you can't even run to the end of your street, it's saying to you. Uh, and you've committed to this marathon because of a charity you're supporting. So the first thing is to take the first step, which is perhaps to buy a new pair of running shoes, you know? Mm-hmm. A small step. Um, so, yeah, with something like that, you, the first step is for, in that case, was her to acknowledge that this is what was happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it was tearful. It was very tearful. Sometimes when you get that awareness, Matty, and then you acknowledge it, all the emotions start to come out. And, you know, as a coach, <clears throat> it's my job to help them understand that it's okay. It's okay to have these emotions. It's, it's okay to, to feel it. Uh, and then at that point, then they, they want to then start small. They're, they're open to it, you know? Right. If you're scared or you're frightened, that change is going to be so difficult because uh, we all build a picture up in our head. Even if we're asked to do a project and work, we sort of build it up as to, oh, it's gonna, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And how many times in, in your life have you gone somewhere or done something and then you said to yourself, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, many, many, many times. Many times. And, uh, so it's the, it's the same with the brain. The brain just works out a picture. We're very visual creatures. Mm-hmm. And the brain's always yeah. overthinking, overthinking stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, starting small. And, and with, you know, with this lady, we were starting looking at, okay, you know, I can't remember what happened in that, in that little session, but what I can say is it would have been something along the lines of, well, what I want you to do is to, before the next session, to, to go through the last 10 years of your life, for example, and go through what you've achieved, the successes. Now, it could be something like you bought your first house, you learned to drive, you, um, you arranged the wedding of your best friend, whatever. Whatever small or big success you've had in the last 10 years, I want you to go through in your mind chronologically and list it. For a lot of people, that's like, wow, I've done so much that I've forgotten about, you know? Yeah. When you see that timeline, it's like, well, actually, and they start doubting their own thoughts then. They start, <laughs> doubting, they start doubting their own negative negativity. Right. Somewhere along the lines, they think, well, actually, I've been really productive. I'm actually a good person. And their belief system starts to change then, you see, Matt. Wow, that's amazing. You know, if we, if we, at a certain point in history, there's many, many points in history where, you know, we proved ourselves wrong, that man could fly, man could go to the moon. You know, that um, women can be great CEOs. You know, we're proving it all the time that um, man can run under 10 seconds, you know, and, and, and 
we can achieve so much. We've invented, we've invented um, bagless hoovers, uh, and we are now producing reusable spaceships. You know, with and electric cars, and it's it's a time when we're proving ourselves wrong. You know, right? And that, you know, we everyone is equal. There are people out there who still don't think that, you know, and still don't want to believe it. But look back at our history, look back at your history and think of the things that you've completed, that you've managed to do, what you think you couldn't do, you know, where you proved yourself wrong. Uh, uh, and that those exams you thought you wouldn't pass, you did. So, you know, when a person can go deep and realize, I am worthy. I am lovable. You know, I can contribute to my family, to my community. I'm good enough. And when you do that, your life can change. You know, it's, it's has, it starts at the very deepest level. That's, you don't have to earn a million dollars to think that I'm good enough. It's, that's not about that. It's, it is about you finding things about yourself that actually, no, I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. You know, in, in, in the book, there's, a, there's a, actually a specific chapter called the power statements. And one of the power statements is, I'm not better than you, you're not better than me, which is we're equal. And quite a few people who have been on my courses said, God, that, that was the game changer for me, David, to realize that, yeah, no one is better than me. You know, if I'm talking to a, uh, uh, a high-powered CEO or, or a cleaner, they're all the same. Whether you're what, what I think they would call a janitor in, in, in North America or whether you are a millionaire, we're the same. We have the same issues. We have the same problems. We wake up and do the same things every day, you know. We go to the toilet and, uh, and we have a shower and we wash ourselves and brush our teeth. We've all got the same things. Well, I think. Are you sure rich people poop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure. <laughs> and we, uh, and we, and we just have to think about, you know, for a lot of people, that's when they just realize, hold on, now we are the same. I am the same, and that for them is, you know, happiness is an inside job. It's it, it starts with us. We can't. We can't look for it outside. We can't say, I will be happy when I have a new kitchen installed. You know? Yes. I'll be happy when I've I'll be happy when I might when when I'm I meet someone and get married. Well, that that's what you're saying to yourself all the time is I'm not happy. I'm not happy. You know? Yeah. I'll be happy yeah. when I go on vacation. Well, you know, we you can be happy. So it, it's it's fundamentally taking back people to source to understand that the purest feeling we have is love. Yes. Do you sometimes find it hard to get to that, the source, a deeper level of what's going on? With myself or with? Uh, with, uh, with others, with people you coach. Is it sometimes hard to get to that deeper level where they open up and kind of figure out what's really going on underneath? Yeah, um, no, because they are already wanting to change. When, I, when, I, when we start working together, um, 
see it in their eyes. It takes time. Sometimes it takes longer. You might have a client coming along like this. Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife is sending me here. What can you do for me? You know? Um, yeah. Right. You know, I remember working with somebody. Um, let me give you an example. Okay, somebody with body dysmorphia. He came to me and uh, exactly it was like this. And, you know, and, uh, he tried everything. Worked, you know, into the gym. Umpteen times a week and eating what he said was clean. And he said he wasn't vulnerable with me initially, the first session. And then he didn't know all what to do. And I and he said, come back to the next session. And the next session, he was a bit more vulnerable, vulnerable with me. And he said to me, um, you know, I've had dark thoughts over the years. He said, uh, when I look in the mirror, I hate what I see. I hate my body. I hate what I see. And uh, I don't like myself. So the diet, the exercise was not changing who he was inside. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to try my best to help you change that. I didn't promise me anything. didn't say anything. I just said, okay, let's work together. Let's see what happens. Yeah. He wanted to lose weight because he was um, about 30 pounds plus overweight. Uh, and he wanted to lose it and I said okay I said I'm not a weight loss person but I can help you change how you feel and think about yourself in the world okay we'll see he said we'll see <clears throat> so we, we worked on it uh, and lost about 28-30 pounds in under 6 months well under 6 months and he went onto Facebook uh, and he, he he just he was a very honest post he posted uh, that the first time in a long, long time, if ever, he looked in the mirror and he said, I liked what I saw. Uh, and that was so emotional for a lot of people to see him and hear him say that to bear his soul. Uh, and all we've done, he and I, is work on this. Because this affected this, how he looked upon himself. Um, and then his gut feeling was, yeah, I am actually, actually, I am. Okay, I'm lovable. Um, I love myself. And that's one of the key things that I really try and help someone with. One of the first questions I ask any client, actually, in the, in the first session, if I can, is um, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being maximum or high, 1 being low. And I ask them to think about what figure comes to mind immediately after I ask them, you this question. You tell me, and, and they, they say, okay, what is it? And I say, how much do you love yourself? And then they're like, say, I know what they're thinking. And then they'll say, four, eight, seven, whatever it is, and I always subtract around two. I subtract about two from it. So if they say five, it's a three. Um, you know, bearing in mind when I was a teenager, mine was near zero. I can, I can honestly admit that. So you then, they understand, you know. You know, I've grown men crying when they've, when they've said that. Yeah. They, they're admitting it and, and they say, I've never told anybody anything like this in my entire life. And yeah. It's like, I'm just glad I can say it, you know. Uh, and I'm honored. I am true, 
truly honoured when they open up. They open up and, and when ladies open up and say, I, I, I never thought it that way. I, I didn't love myself. But they've been honest with me, you know? And I said, yeah. this is how we're going to do it. We're going to work on this. But this does affect this because these two, two work together. Yeah. Electrical activity in the brain. The brain is, you know, if they measure the activity, it's EEG. And if they measure this, it's ECG. So science has proven that it's all electrical activity. And they're working together as well as, you know, the, your gut, the gut feeling. Whenever you get nervous, it's there. Whenever you get uh, excited, it's there. It's always the butterflies, the same place, the gut feeling. And, you know, how many times, say, how many times in your life, Matty, have you had a gut feeling about something but gone against it? Yeah, I have, yeah. And we've all done it where we thought the gut feeling said, no, don't go to that party. Yes. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's learning to listen to your body as well. That's a big part of us because our body is a, a recording device. We can go from calm to anxiety within seconds. Our body plays it up. A fear comes up, you know? Could you, like, what is exactly going on, like, with the gut feeling? Is that like a subconscious mechanism? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, your, subconscious, your subconscious mind, you... you if you look at the mind, simplistically, there's two parts of it. Just like an iceberg, the, the tip of the iceberg is just above the sea. That's the teeny bit that people can see, that that ship can see when it's approaching. But right underneath it is that giant part, which is the subconscious mind. And the subconscious mind is the storehouse of all your, all your skills, all, everything that you've ever learned goes into your subconscious mind. So if, for example, you've learned to play tennis, when you first picked up the racket, you, you didn't know how to play tennis. You just, what's this? And the first thing they did was teach you maybe to serve over and over again, backhand, forehand, over and over, thousands of times before you don't think about it now. You just play it. You know? you know what shot to play because you're not consciously thinking about it anymore. Your subconscious is doing it. Just like yeah. when you're driving a car. Your subconscious is driving the car. Yeah. Learned how to do it, but you know, when you're driving from one town to another, who's driving the effing car? It's your subconscious. Yeah. Well, what am I gonna do in my next podcast? What am I gonna to do tonight when I when I call my mom and, and things like that? And what am I having for dinner this weekend? So we're thinking about other things, but the subconscious is doing all this complex series of of um, maneuvers. You're seeing the Road signs, subconscious reading those, it's automatically you know to stop because you've learned it. So it's, we say it, oh, it's sunk in, sunk in, you know. Uh, the subconscious has also stored all the bad stuff you've learned over the years, you know, all those memories and your perceived memories are in the subconscious. Uh, and then it, it then, it, if something doesn't feel right, it, it immediately feels there in the subconscious, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're scared, you might get sweaty palms now you haven't consciously said to your palms get sweaty i want you to be sweaty right now you know yeah <laughs> you've gone to an interview which you really want this job 
what do you want this job? And you've arrived at the, at the building and in the reception area, there's two or three other people waiting for the same job. So immediately you're sitting there and you might be sitting there with your, you know, with your coffee in hand and you're looking at them and you're thinking, you're probably thinking, I wonder what's their story. I wonder if they're, how good they are. I wonder what their qualifications are. I wonder if they're better than me. I wonder if I'm as good as them. And you're thinking all these things, thoughts. And then some people are overthinking more than other people. And then one of you is going to walk into the interview with sweaty palms because you've just worked yourself up into a state. And then you've gone into this interview and you're sitting there in front of the interviewers. And because you're in a state of anxiety, you've worked yourself up into a state, you may not do yourself justice at the interview because you're so worked up that you're not yourself, you know? Yes. Yeah, 100%. So your subconscious... It's running the whole show, good and bad, you know, and really, as I learned years and years ago, all change happens at the subconscious level. It's got to happen there. Otherwise, it, it might as well, you might as well go up to somebody and put your arm around them and say, be positive. Oh, okay. And their life has changed. But it doesn't happen that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does not happen that way. That's like looking not, at... Not conscious. Unconscious, yeah. It has to happen there. We've, we, we've learned to be scared and it's been stored at the unconscious level, and we can unlearn it. We can, un- we can learn to be brave and courageous, you know? But it does take consistent action. It takes consistent action and repetition to make that change. So if you want to learn to run a marathon, you have to just run a few meters, run back. Go further, run back. And maybe in a month, you can run a mile or two, then run back. And then a few months later, you're running 10 miles. And then you've trained your body to to run, you know? It's the same when you're learning a new language. By repetition, you learn French or Spanish. By repetition, repeat, repeat, repeat. And it's the same with any area. You learn the pianos, repeat. So what happens is the information goes from the conscious mind into the subconscious mind, Matty, and then eventually it sticks, it stores, it stores. But the same thing can happen when we're grown up in a negative way. You might have somebody who's, they're told something by a parent or or a teacher which makes them feel not good enough. And as a consequence, they had that first ever thought, am I good enough? That first ever thought, it might be the age of 13, am I good enough? Am I as clever as my sister? Am I as smart as my brother? And then perhaps they'll repeat this thought next week when they, instead of having a, an A in an exam, they had a B. And then they thought, oh my goodness. And then they start to question yourself. And by repetition, by the time they're 17, they, they, they don't feel good enough. Why? Because they've asked that question so many times in their life, they now actually think and believe, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not as clever as my cousin. They're the smarter in the family, you know. Mm. They, they had the brains of the family. That's what we say, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It goes into the subconscious, and then it's so ingrained. We all say these things, ingrained. We, we then look at it, oh, it must be true. It's got to be true. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the subconscious is the it's a storehouse of learning, and we have to 
we have to train it back up. So we, we can, we can. You can teach a, an 80-year-old Italian. If they're open to it, they can learn, you know? Right. Do you think um, for people, when they try to go make, when they try to make a change on their own, do you think, like, when they get into the overthinking stage, do you think they're trying to do too much at once? Or they're trying to, um, yeah. I, I, I think, like, or what I'm thinking is, uh, like, I'm a personal trainer. <clears throat> and I think there's a lot of parallels between um, just even your, your, uh, your marathon uh, metaphor where you just got to start small, small actions and then it builds up over time. Um, and I think that we are so, you know, like the biggest, the commonest, the most common, um, I, I would say mistake for people that are beginning out on their own with fitness is that they try to do too much at once. It's like why all the gyms are full in January and halfway through February, there's no one there anymore. Right. <clears throat> Cause they're going seven days a week and they're eating like nothing but spinach and stuff. And then they, you know, Eventually, they just go back to uh, they fall off because it's not sustainable. Yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. I'm a big believer in the one percent rule. You know, I learned from Robin Sharma. Um, you know, if you if we just change one percent a day for a hundred days, that's a hundred percent. Yeah, huge. that's huge. But it's just one percent a day. You know, we do it over the year three hundred sixty-five percent and. What's key is that there's an area of your brain, I just mentioned the amygdala, which freaks out if you try and do too much at once. It'll try and sabotage you, you know? bring up all the old fears. And yeah, people do. And as you quite rightly said, in January, everywhere in the world, including here in the UK, everyone goes to that gym membership. One, because they see it new year, new mindset, new body, reset. I've got another chance. And it's called hope. So they make themselves feel good by going and joining the gym and doing as much as they can and then get a disillusioned and then they, they say things like, oh, life got in the way. You know, I've got no time, you know. And if you ask anyone, they, they might say something like, I've, I've got any time in the day to do it. I've, I've got kids. I've got a job or business. And, and I always say, well, there's 1,440 minutes a day. You know, there are apps out there if you can't get to the gym, if you can't do it. There are apps out there where you can do like Tabata training, you know, or you can do some HIT and there's free apps. You can just do it. 11 minutes burns whatever, 170-odd calories. You can just do it. Just take action or, or start a new diet. And look up look up that. So, yeah, I mean, it's the same with when I work with clients. Just do it in a small way. And, and if somebody is, say, learning to change their body, then I always think the reasons why you want to do it are so important as well. You know, the, the reason why you are motivated to do it, because you might have someone who says, right, I want to lose 20 pounds, 25 pounds to get into that suit for my wedding, you know, or I need to get into that bikini for the holiday. I'm going to lose 15 pounds. And so that's their reason for doing it. Okay. That's the reason. And they lose the weight, but then so many of these people then put the weight back on because their mm -hmm. reason was, in this case, vanity or something like that to temporary. It was a temporary situation. Whereas if you are doing it, say, you want to lose the weight because you are 
borderline diabetic. That's such a strong, powerful reason. You know, I want to be around yeah. in 30 years' time, so I don't want to be diabetic. Yeah. So I want to lose the weight and keep it off. So for me, <clears throat> when I work with a client, and I'm sure you do as well, it's getting to the bottom. What's the reason? What is the real reason you want to lose the weight? Yeah. What's the real reason? What is it? And when you identify that and they, they then integrate that into the training, you know, I, I put on, for me personally, I put on weight in the original lockdown. I put on about 15 pounds and I, I, I thought, no, I want to lose it, but lose it permanently. I want to lose it for the right reasons. Now, I thought, right, you're 52 years old. You want to lose it for good, David. Lose it for good. So I thought, right, for the first time in my life, I'm going to lose it for health reasons. So my father had heart problems. Uh, my father's not here, bless his soul. Um, and I want to live to a, I'm on a mission to help people and I want to live as long as possible. So I've got to keep, make sure this vessel I, I inhabit on this planet is here for a while. So I thought, right, that's it. So I, I changed my diet, changed the training, and now I'm consistent. Now I'm consistent, more consistent than ever before. And so I suppose, uh, this time taught me. You know, put me right. It's your motivation as well, and it's what I've been teaching clients for years. That when the reason for your change is greater than your reason ever to self-sabotage it, yes, yeah, you'll maintain that change. Yes, no, that's a big thing that I. Yeah, it's it's, it's what's your why, and um, you know, I think like. I myself as a trainer try to push always like the health. Like I think like the, you know, the way you look is a nice side effect, but the real benefit is the, the mental health side, the health side to be able to run, jump, climb, um, having more energy. It'll improve your relationships. Like having just basically improving your life overall, you know, and then the way you look, like, even if that's what gets them in the door, that's just a that's just a nice side effect of it all. Yeah, it's yeah yeah, really totally. It's I love what you said about energy because uh, you know I'm all about energy. I think we all have an energy energy about us, and and when people are happy with themselves, the energy is different. You know. Yeah. Weight, the energy is different. They feel good about themselves, and they all say, oh, "I feel good." Of course, because your energy is different, and and you and you say to them, "What's your family think?" Uh, and they, yeah, they love it. They love the change in me. I'm more confident. You know? and, um, I've had so many people's family or parents have said to me, thank you for giving our daughter back. Thank you for helping us get our daughter oh. back. Wow. Thank you for helping our son. Um, you know, helping our son. He's young. He's, he, we've never seen him so happy. You know, And for me, that's the greatest feeling in the world because you know, with you and I, when we're impacting on people's lives, it's like throwing a stone in a pond. We're, we're, there's a ripple effect. There's a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. It's impacting on everyone in that person's universe, not just them. Yeah. Lives. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I'm thinking the more people who, you know, the more people like you I meet and converse with others, deep conversations, 
who are making a difference to other people's lives, the better. You know? mm -hmm. I think so. Uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the world can, it's exponential. The world can help itself just by helping. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, I forget where I was going to go with that. Yeah. It's, uh, I think that really is like the, um, no, it's inspiring to talk to you. It's inspiring to talk to anyone that's has this mission of, of helping others. And it's so amazing to see, like when you, you must see it too. Like when you see, when you take someone from like a, and then like six months, a year down the road, they're like all the way at B and it's like, everything changed, you know, it's not just the weight. It's not just one thing. It's like all of a sudden all these things change and it's just like, wow, this is why, this is why I'm doing this. And this is what, what keeps me coming back. It's amazing. It is amazing. It's uh, yeah. I don't dwell on it too much because I, I, I'm literally, I want to work with the next person, next person. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. You know, someone says to me, you, you, you sit back and, and, I said, no, I don't sit back. I can't. I've got, I'm on a mission. Yeah. I can sit back. I really want to help them. It's like um, when I started doing my courses oh, 10 years ago, people were coming in, and, and my courses are content-led, Matty, so there'd be 20, 25 people, 30 people in the room, and all with issues. Uh, and... The great thing was they didn't have to talk about their issues. That's what they liked. They didn't have to put their hand up and say, I'm an anxiety disorder, or I'm an overthinker, whatever. It was literally me with two flip charts. And with these flip charts, I was teaching them tools and strategies every week on how to think differently. Uh, the first week was, would cover, you're okay, you can change. This is how it's possible. You know, tell them my story. Tell them, and, and they thought, okay. And then they'll come back the next week and we put the tools every week, new tools, new tools, layered upon layered upon layer of new tools and, and techniques. And you just see people changing. Just incredible. And that's why, that's why I wrote the book then. And that's why I thought, well, I can't reach as many people as I'd like to. Uh, and I, I think with the online program, so I, I've got some online programs, but I, I just wanted to put something in somebody's hand so they can just read it and discuss it with their best friend or their partner. And I've had so many people say to me who read chapters of the book already saying, oh, I'm going to get one for her and one for me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. One for him, one for me, and we're going to go through the exercise, take our time and use that like a manual, a toolkit. And somebody did say recently, did you, did you intend for it to be a toolkit? I said, yeah. Yeah, I don't want it to be passive to say, oh, that was a good read. Yeah. yeah. I want them to reread and to, to refer to it because each chapter can be standalone. They all work together in sequence. You can read a chapter a lot standalone. You can read the Stick of Rock, Rock chapter, for example, you know? Yeah. You can read the um, Power Statements chapter. And I think. If that happens, oh, I'll be so glad that families are changing. I, I honestly, I, I'll tell you a true story. A guy came in to a session once, uh, a, a course, and he was the only guy there. So they were like, um, like 18, <laughs> 18 women and one guy. 
he came up to me at the end. He said, um, David, um, I thought he was going to say, I, I'm not going to come back next week. He said, um, <laughs> if I come back next week, can I bring my wife? Yeah, okay. He said, um, you know, she hasn't paid to be on the course. I said, don't worry, don't worry. And he came back to me before he was leaving. He said, well, do you mind if I bring my daughter as well? Okay, bring your daughter as well. So then next week, he turns up with his entire family. <laughs> wife and two daughters who were teenagers. And they, they only came, he said, I'm, they're here this week, David, on, on week two, just to support me. I said, okay. Well, at the end of that session that week, because each of the each of the weeks is about 60 to 90 minutes long. I tend to overrun. I'm just trying to help them as much as possible. And he comes up to me at the end of the session, the second week, he said, listen, um, they all want to come next week now. <laughs> I said, all right, then. The entire family, man, came for the entire course. Wow. His wife said to me at the end of the course, she said, we didn't need this. We didn't think we needed this. We did. And he said, um, he has changed. Like, you never believe it. Because um, I don't know what, I don't know his story to this day. But he, she said that he was an angry man. He was held to be around. Uh, but he's, he's changed. She said, and we've all changed. The whole family has. So I've heard that many times over the years, you know. So if we can help one person, there's a good chance that everyone around them can be helped. Right. Well, that's beautiful, man. And that's... Uh... So I want to make this podcast too, is just if I could help, if it helps one person, then it's worth just one. It's yeah. worth it. Yeah. 100%. Um, I just have one question about your book. Cause I think this topic is super interesting. Um, you mentioned um, the importance of learning new things consistently over time, um, all the time and how when we're children, that's when we're learning the most. And I think on weekends, holidays, that's when we're learning things are changing. And you talk about the importance of like, oh, because I think this is something that a lot of people experience. Like they, they, you know, you talk about it too, you go to work and it's like the same thing. And we're always just repeating these, um, these things that we've already learned how to do. Um, I think it's a big contributor to like the dullness of, of life for a lot of people. Yeah. This, um, yeah, good point. It's, when you think about the number of thoughts we have per day, uh, on average, uh, psychologists think we have around sixty to 70,000 thoughts a day. Wow. But what they've looked at is what percentage of our thoughts are said to be sort of new thoughts, original thoughts per day in, an, in, your, in your life. And it's the percentage of new thoughts per day is around 5%. Which means wow. Live in... An automated life. You know, we go to work the same way. We have similar conversations, maybe with our spouse. We, we're in the same bathroom. We start the way the same day, you know, uh, the same way every day. Maybe we watch the same shows every week. We like our favorite foods, our favorite lunchtime sandwiches, all that. You know, our favorite restaurants. And there's very little variety or new thinking going on, you know, unless you're learning, unless you're intentionally looking for new things, you know. Yeah. And we get excited at certain times of the year. We get more excited. You know, if we're on vacation, it's like a new, maybe a new language we're experiencing, new hotel, new, new food, you know, and 
things like birthdays is maybe new, Christmas, but the newness, the learning, most of it does happen in our children. We have all these skills we learn. We learn how to walk, talk. We learn the alphabet, how to write, how to we learn science, capitals of different countries. A lot of bulk learning and knowledge was done before the age of 20, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That we're then, we, we were told when we we're younger, you know, get a degree, get a job, find someone, settle down, have a family, you know? And we've been conditioned to think that way. And when we stop learning, a part of us, I always think if you're not growing, then what are you doing? Perhaps you're slowly dying, but over the next 50 years, you know? Very, very yeah. slowly very slowly, imperceptibly. Yeah. You know, when you are, say, feeding your mind, and you're stretching yourself uh, and living life with a purpose, which is doing what you love doing. You know, and, and if you are in a job that you're doing, and, and is there a chance you can change? Will it take a number of years? I mean, my first client ever my first ever client was she was stuck in what she called a dead end job working for a company. And she's, and I said to her, well, what would you like to do? And she said, oh, I'd love to be an aromatherapist. Well, okay, great. I, I didn't really know what that was. And she explained it and she said she was in training and she said, well, oh, I'm, I don't know if I can leave my job or I've got a salary coming in. I said, right. Okay. So I helped her get past that mindset block. Then she worked out, that helped to work out that, okay, if you got one evening a week with a couple of clients, that's a start. And I said, what would happen if you have two evenings a week? Three evenings a week? Yeah. Maybe a Sunday. Oh. Anyway, we had a few sessions, and then uh, I didn't hear from her that, then for about a year, year and a half, and she then emailed me and said, well, thank you, David. I am now self-employed. Wow. I said, I didn't do anything, you did it. You just followed the tools and you, you looked inside, you did the work, you challenged yourself, you were fearless. There were days when you felt like giving up, I know, but you did it. And that's that's the journey, isn't it? There'll be days yeah. we think you've given up. Um, so we can, we, yeah, we can make that change in life, but we have to, have that strategy, have that change, uh, and go outside of us. And sometimes there are a lot of you know a lot of people out there who are perhaps thinking, well, you know, they're putting up with second best in their job or their career or their life or relationship. I, I had, I remember not so long ago, I had a, a text message from on, on Facebook Messenger from someone who'd been on one of my day events. So I've done day events and let it go day events. And she said, in that event, David, you triggered something in me, which I knew, I knew was there, but I, I was too afraid. She said, I left my job. I left my job because it was, I was being bullied in it. I was too afraid to leave it. What will people think if I leave? And what will the neighbors think and all that? The family, she said, I left it. I and immediately found myself a new job. I love it. And then she said as well, she said, I ended a loveless marriage as well. I left my relationship. I left it after years of apathy uh, and we're both happy. 
um, apart, still friends. And she said, I've met someone else, you know, but she made those yeah. changes and it can happen. It can happen like that. Um, through an aha moment, we, you know, aha moment, or it can happen yeah. period of time, you know, but that's when, that's when you learn something new. And then in this case, by yourself, you know, when we break the habit, because at the end of the day, Matty, we live our life according to our habits we've got. Yes. You know? Somebody says to me, oh, I'm a, I'm, I value my body. I value my health. I'm, I, I work, work out. When was the last time you worked out? Oh, three weeks ago. Well, are you sure you value your body? You, you value your sporting, you know, your, your, your fitness? Good point. <laughs> you know? yeah. They then realize, uh, right, okay. So it's, that's just a case where you've just learned something about yourself. And you can learn by watching YouTube videos, podcasts like this, reading books, just having nice conversations with people who are like-minded. It's, it's wonderful, isn't it, to... You speak to people who are like-minded on that same path. Maybe an artist out there who wants who has great conversations with other artists, or somebody who's into politics who talk with people in politics. You're learning. It's great to learn uh, and to admit to yourself. I don't know everything. I want to learn. You know, I want to learn and everything. You know, I want to learn and be better. And I think that's what that part of the book was about. That we can we can change. Do you, do you think, um, like from an evolutionary standpoint, like in the past humans were always adapting and always had to be evolving and, and, um, kind of surviving. And then now like moving into this today's society, um, things are just different where we kind of, everything's kind of set up. Do you think, do you think about that at all? And do you think that has something to do with like what we're just talking about. Yeah, I think uh, as a species, we are evolving, you know, and we are in many ways, technological anyway, we're evolving and we're, we're, we're looking, we're, we've always been an adventurous species and now we want to be an interplanetary species. Yeah. We're a very curious species and we're a species which is prone to error, prone to fault. Because we are a very selfish species, you know. Look at the planet, and uh, that's just my opinion, anyway. Uh, and we, yeah. we are like any species. We, you know, we're, we are. We look after ourselves. We try and grow. We're we're evolving. There, I think, in many ways, at this time, society is set up for convenience. Yeah. To a friend of mine yesterday, and he's got two children. He said, they just want things like now, you know, no patience. Mm-hmm. So he's got a six-year-old and a three-year-old. They've got absolutely no patience. They're putting something on the tablet. Where is it? Where is it? I want the skateboard, skateboard, skateboard pictures, you know? Yeah. They've grown in a time when there is um, very little patience. People want instant gratification. Everything's going to be done right now, you know? Whereas when I grew up so in the 70s and 80s, it was... Very different. You have to make your fun. Yeah. You have to make your joy. <laughs> Me too, man. Uh, 90s and early 2000s, it was like, yeah, just <laughs> make yeah. your own fun. Make your own games. Yeah, yeah, make your fun. And uh, I think children today, everything is done for them. 
don't have to leave their bedroom to just to order something on Amazon. Tick, 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 tick. Comes to you, you know? And, yeah. Um, yeah. In that way, where you, you could say, well, when we're, we are not connecting. So there's almost like a devolution of connection between yeah. individuals. Um, but in the same time, I think in 2020, people have missed that connection. And I think they, they are ever more aware and grateful of that ability to connect, you know, face to face. Yeah, yes. I think we're all grateful that technology has brought, say, say us today. Yeah. To have a connection where 20 years ago, this just would not have happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm sure I could look you up on a telephone book back then, you know? <laughs> on the UK telephone book. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, there's so much to be grateful for. Definitely so much to be grateful for. And I think when I'm speaking to so many people over this last year and so on, people are, are definitely feeling more of a, in a gratitude space that the things that they used to take for granted, that perhaps they're not now and never will again. Yes, yeah. Freedom. I think so too. I think that's the silver lining in this is, is just that and just how much we realize how much we need each other. It's so easy to take it for granted. Yeah, every, every day. Uh, I mean, just look around what we've got. You know, we've got trees, we've got the sky, sea, we've got fresh air. There's so many people who don't have what we have, and that's the truth. Yeah. So many yeah. people are lying there in hospitals unwell from cancer, unwell from the viruses, unwell from heart disease. And, you know, we're just going to look at, that's just one thing we can look at. You, you and I have the power to get up off our seats now and walk. And then people out there who don't have the power for that. And just a, a subtle reminder, that's, we, we have our health. That's so important. And I mean, more than ever, um, I'm hearing that people are more grateful that they used to live a life where they were on the plane all the time, traveling somewhere, on the train, living life on autopilot, you know, on their laptop. Yeah, you know, yeah. What they called it? The big pause of 2020, where people just pause and go, and it's for a lot of people, it's scary as well because mm -hmm. they've never had to go inside of themselves. They've never had a conversation with themselves so deep because they've always been on the go. Yeah. And maybe they start reevaluating their life and their job. And I think a lot of people may have made changes, you know, whether it be their job or their life or whatever. That's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing a few people say, I'm never going to work in the office again. I'm going to work from home and convert yeah. my, my garage to an office. Or uh, I'm going to start my own online business. I'm looking into it. You know? So I'm just thinking, well done you. If you feel, yeah. you feel good, go for it. Yeah. Uh, go for it. Go for it. Uh, there's going to be a lot of silver linings from this time. Uh, we, know that, we know there is. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm a big believer that technology medical technology, the speed at which we can create medicines is going to increase, improve. I think uh, it's, 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 not, it's not a good way of doing it, but I think there's going to be a lot of positives come out of this time. You know, I, I'm, I've always been an optimist since I was a, a child. Can't help it. I just... <laughs>
<laughs> I looked through life, you know, and even though I grew up not feeling good about myself, I still think, I still thought the world was a good place. I still, you know, I, I wanted, I was, I still was excited, but still frightened at the same time, you know? Mm -hmm. That's just my natural proclivity to, to be positive. It's, it's not the answer being positive, but it's, it's a start. Right. Yeah. Um, I think this might be a good time to, to end it, David. I want to say thanks so much again for reaching out and coming on. And I really enjoy this chat. Thank you. Um, so maybe you could say um, where you can find your book and when it'll be out. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, it's in North America. It's out, out on Amazon, um, Barnes and Nobles and books, bookshop.org. So it's actually coming out on the 23rd of February, but if somebody wanted to pre-order it, they can do that. So you know, I'm, I'll be uh, happy if it helps someone out there. It'll be, it'll be amazing if they do, you know, and uh, uh, they, they want to find me. I'm on Instagram, David underscore Raman, and uh, my website is david-raman.com. That's awesome, man. Definitely check him out. Definitely get the book and check it out. I read the first couple of chapters. It's, um, it's really great. And I think it'll really help a lot of people. I'm uh, going to send this to you. It's uh, this is our sponsor. So uh, it's a Prince Art Island sea salt company. So we got four different kinds of uh, sea salts here. Wow. So I'm going to send that uh, via mail. <laughs> and um, so that, uh, that's our sponsor. 40% of all proceeds goes to um, mental health programming here in PEI. So I'll send that over via boat, plane, <laughs> however you can get there. Um, thank you. <laughs> uh, and, you know, in return, because I, I, I want to anyway, allow me to send you a copy of the book for you to have a Thank you so much, man. I'd love to know your feedback on it. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Um, check it out, guys. Let it go. Thanks so much, David. Thank you. Woo! <laughs> oh, oh.